Welcome to the Second Students North podcast. My name is Lise. We're currently in a series called Sus Faith, where we're taking a look at some detrimental beliefs that disguise themselves as true faith. We pray that as you go through this series, that God would speak directly to you. We hope you enjoy week three. We are in our series called Sus Faith, and um, we've been looking the last three weeks We've been looking the last three weeks at uh, just things that creep into our faith that make our faith not so genuine. You know, two weeks ago, Shelby talked about this concept of building a Bible and how sometimes people, they open up God's word and they say, man, I really like this portion of God's word, but I don't like this portion. So I'm just gonna listen to this. Um, And that's really dangerous. That causes you to be suspicious in the faith that you have. I would argue that's not even real faith, right? And then you look at what Grayson talked about last week. Um, Grayson talked about cultural Christianity. He talked about this concept that we take Christianity and instead of God's word being the ultimate authority, um, he talked about how culture, instead of God's word impacting what culture has, you have culture impacting what God's word says. Um, And so that's what we've been doing the last couple of weeks. And really what I wanna talk about today is I wanna make sure, I think we would do you guys a disservice if we just came in here for three weeks and we talked about uh, suspicious faiths and then didn't give you the answer about what genuine faith looks like. You know what I mean? And a lot of you guys might think, oh, David, I know what faith is. Don't, don't worry, I know what faith is. Um, and we're gonna dive through scripture and we're gonna look at a lot of passages. So I do wanna move a little quickly tonight. Um, and I'm gonna have to do that. I'm gonna have to pace myself. Uh, but I just know that God really wants to move tonight. I'm super excited. I, there's, there's, I, I'm not always anxious when I come up here um, and I'm anxious tonight. And I think I'm anxious tonight because I know the enemy's moving and I, I know that there's some of you out here who really need to hear this. There's a lot of questions that come up with faith. Maybe I ask you, maybe I were to come up to you and say, hey man, because this happens all the time with students. It's like, hey man, uh, man, are you, do you think you'll go to heaven one day when you die? Maybe I'll ask somebody that, not just like walk up off the street and ask them, that's weird. Um, but maybe we're like in a conversation, I know them really well, I'll say, hey man, what do you think will happen when you die? And they'll be like, I go to heaven. I'll be like, great, why, why do you think you're gonna go to heaven? And you know, some of the answers that I hear, are, you know, like I go to church, you know, I, I go to church on Sundays. And I think a lot of us, y'all have heard me say this before that that's, that's, that doesn't cut it, you know? Going to church doesn't make you a Christian. Um, but for some reason, we do act that way sometimes. Like, well, I'm doing okay. I went to church this week. I went to church twice this week. Went to live and Bible study. That's pretty cool. Um, maybe something I hear is, I hear this one a lot, is I'm, I'm a pretty good person. You know, I'm a pretty good person. I would agree. A lot of you guys out there, y'all are pretty good people. And we know if we look at scripture for more than two seconds, we know that being just a good person, that's not real faith. That's not a reason to get into heaven. That's not where real faith is. This one is a big one that maybe a lot of you guys don't think about, but a lot of us do operate under this deal. And I've I've heard this before. I've heard people say, uh, well, I was born a Christian. Anybody ever thought that before? Man, I was born a Christian. You weren't born a Christian. Being a Christian, right, is, is literally being a Christ follower. Students, you were born a sinner right? You weren't born a Christian. You weren't born a Christ follower. What you may have been born, you may have been born into a family that follows Christ. Maybe your parents made a decision to follow Christ. And I want each of you to know that your faith is your decision, right? Are you getting me there? Some of you guys might be thinking, man, my parents made a decision. They've been raising me in the church. I've been in the church every, every week since I've been alive. I got to be a Christian, right? 
being a Christian is a choice. So we gotta ask is what even is faith? If you have your Bible, um, and I really hope you do, open up to Ephesians. I got three books that we're gonna be working through today, but uh, Ephesians chapter two, and we're gonna read verses one through 10. Uh, the thing is this, is we could have taught the whole lesson from Ephesians two, one through 10, and we almost did, uh, but we're gonna bounce around a little bit. And so I'm gonna read, the beautiful thing about this passage is, is the gospel. And so if you're ever like, what is faith? What is the gospel? We're gonna look at it and it's going to explain everything. So let's look at it. Verse one, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, cultural Christianity maybe, right? Following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, that's talking about Satan, talking about Satan, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, verse three, among whom we all at once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Here's the deal, we could break that down for weeks, honestly, but here's what I need you to know is that I just said it, you weren't born a Christian, what you were born is a sinner. You were born separated from God. Each of us were, and I know a lot of y'all in this room, don't tune me out, okay? Don't tune me out if you know this truth, if you know the gospel, because is, I know this is a danger in my life is I know the gospel and I've surrendered to the gospel, but for some reason, there are times in my life when I get off the path and I begin to think, man, I, I begin to think wrong about my faith. So I wanna challenge you, stay with me tonight, because here's the deal, you're a sinner, that's what the first three verses say. In verse four, it says this, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. This is a big difference, talking about death, and now we're talking about we're alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Verse six, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Back with me, verse eight, right here, don't miss it. For by grace, you have been saved through what? Faith. By grace, you've been saved through faith. And get this, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. And don't miss that. You are saved by faith and it's not your work that did it. Students, if it's not your work that did it, it's not your parents' work that did it either. If you're like, well, I was born a Christian, it's not your parents' decision that makes you a believer, what makes us a believer, what, is, what our faith is rooted in is solely is this gift given by God, is this gift, and he walks through it perfectly in Ephesians, this gift of Jesus. Jesus Christ died on the cross, he paid our debt of sin, and he died for us. And because of that, that's what our faith is rooted in. Okay, but here's the deal. Somebody, because Jesus died for our sins and it's not just, okay, Jesus died for our sins, we all go to heaven. That's not really how faith works. There's an action step on our part. There is, and that action step is surrender. Everybody say surrender. Because sometimes we miss, sometimes we think, man, I, I have these action steps. Like if I just go to church, if I just get baptized, if I'm a good person, that's how I get saved. That's how, that's what faith looks like. It's just all these actions and students, you're missing it because the biggest action you can do is take your hand off your life and surrender to the Lord, to the one who died for 
you. There's this, uh, there's this person, his name is Charles Blondin. I think Blondin is the weirdest last name I've ever heard in my life. Charles Blondin uh, was a professional daredevil. And I don't mean like the superhero, I mean, he was like, he would just go out places. Ever, anybody ever seen a tightrope before? He'd walk out, I actually have a tightrope here. I'm just kidding, I would fall so fast, I'm just kidding. I don't have a tightrope, but here's the deal. He would put this tightrope out in these random places and people would come watch him tightrope. Does anybody know what this first picture is? Um, right, yeah. That's Niagara Falls, yo, that is beautiful. Um, Niagara Falls, it's a big waterfall. That's about the extent of my knowledge. I know one side is New York and one side is Canada. And my dude, Blondin, my dude, Mr. Blondin, he tightroped across Niagara Falls, okay? He tightroped across Niagara Falls. That's not him, that's another crazy person. There's more than one of him out there. But they, they would tightrope across Niagara Falls and here's what he did. And I'm trying to illustrate what faith is to you. He walked across and he, he got a crowd to come. This is a long time ago and like 10,000 people showed up. Sickos, right? You know what they're showing up for. They wanna see that man fall. You know, that's so weird. I don't know why, but they're going and they have 10,000 people and he's like, all right, I'm going across. And he goes across, he tight ropes across Niagara Falls. And then what he does, he goes back and he does it again. He's like, I'm gonna do it again. And he does it again. And then the man grabs a wheelbarrow. Man grabs a wheelbarrow and they're like, oh my gosh, what's he gonna do? And he walks over with a wheelbarrow. He tight ropes across Niagara Falls with a wheelbarrow. And then he gets to this side and he's like, I'm gonna go back but I'm gonna put rocks in it this time. It's like, it's like, dude, why would you put rocks in it? Like, you're cool, we get it, you know? Like, I don't understand. But he puts rocks in it and he goes back across and he dumps the rocks out. He looks at the crowd and he says, do y'all wanna see me do it again? Do y'all think I can do it again? And they say, yeah, yeah, we do. We trust that you can do it again. And you know what he says to him? He says, great, get in the wheelbarrow. He says, great, get in the wheelbarrow. And here's the difference, students, is that that crowd, that crowd of 10,000 people, they came to see something great, right? They came to, I don't know what they came to see, maybe see somebody die, I don't know what their sickos are like, but here's the deal. They came to see something great and they had all the trust. They've watched him do it a couple times, right? And they trusted that he could do it. They're like, yeah, do it, man. He's like, do you think I can do it again? They're like, yeah, that's awesome. And then he said, great, get in the wheelbarrow and nobody volunteered, duh, I wouldn't volunteer, right? right? But nobody volunteered, but here's the deal, that is faith, getting in the wheelbarrow. Because a lot of us look at faith, a lot of us look at Christianity, a lot of us look at Christianity and we're like, I know Jesus, I love Jesus. Man, I even got, I, I came to know Jesus at Beach Retreat, but there's no change in your life. Because here's what I know about faith is that faith requires action. Action is the evidence of your faith. We're gonna walk through a passage in James that shows us this, but students, there's a lot of you who are pretending, and man, I don't mean to, I'm not trying to come at you, but you need to hear this. A lot of you are pretending to be in the wheelbarrow. A lot of you are pretending to be in God's wheelbarrow in this faith, and you're not, because there's not the evidence of in your life, and we're gonna look at this in James chapter two. Go ahead and flip, it's just a few books to the right. In James chapter two, there's this, passage, the author of James, um, his name is James. And he, uh, he talks about faith and works. So here's what we're gonna look at. We're gonna look at what does it look like to be surrendered to him? Verse 14, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith, but does not have works? When we hear works, everybody say works. 
What I want you to think of today when I say works, I want you to think about loving God and loving people. Okay, works, loving God and loving people. Those are the two most important commandments. You can look back in the gospel of Matthew and Jesus talks about these are the most important things. If you can love God and you can love people, you'll get it figured out. So when you think of works, it's love God and love people. Let's read it again. Verse 14, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith, he but does not have works? Can that faith save him? James is, I've read this like eight times today. James is sassy with the rhetorical questions. Can that faith save him? 15, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm and filled without giving them the things they needed for the body, what good is that? Do you catch that? Verse 17, so also faith by self, if it does not have works, is dead. I went to the Porter New Caney football game on Friday. And uh, if you were out there, you know that it was what? Raining, right? It was raining. It was not a great day for football, right? It wasn't a great day. I went with my family. My daughter always goes to bed at seven. The game didn't start till like 7.45. So we were already behind the eight ball. She was already grumpy. And all of a sudden it's raining. And uh, we get out and I didn't bring a raincoat cause duh, I'm an idiot. So I didn't bring a raincoat and my wife has a raincoat and we have our daughter, didn't bring her raincoat. I don't know what I was thinking there either, but I have an umbrella, super cool, right? Let me ask you something. I, what if I looked at my daughter and I said, Collins, baby, I love you so much. And I popped that umbrella open. I put that umbrella over me and I just kept walking. <laughs> would, I, would you be like, <laughs> you'd probably do a lot of things, right? But <laughs> Would you, would you say I loved her? No, no way, no way. I, I, you, you could not tell me that I loved her. Yeah, what did we do is we made sure she was covered. We actually found a spare raincoat and we wrapped her in it and all these things. Maddie was like Googling, can babies get pneumonia just being out in the rain? Like we were, we love that girl, I promise. There is evidence of our love for Collins, you know? And here's the deal students, in your life, let me ask you this, in your life, is there evidence of your faith? Because here's what he's saying. He says that faith without works, what he qualifies that as is dead faith. And students, what I'm fearful of is that some of you think you're in the wheelbarrow and you're actually in this, in this zone of dead faith because there's no change in your life from when you met Christ. There should be a change. Your life should be different. There should be evidence, right? You're not, you're not saved by your works. You're not saved by loving God and loving others. Understand that you're saved by what we talked about earlier through the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. But the proof of that in your life is the works that are going on in your life, right? So what do those look like? Let's keep reading. Um, My boy, Sassy James keeps talking. Verse 18, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. We just talked about that. I'm gonna show you my faith by my works. My, My works are my evidence. My love for others is my evidence. That's what he says. You believe that God is one and you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Now demons know who Jesus is. They know exactly who he is, but they have no faith in him. They are not saved, right? I have this thought, I have this illustration. If, if you're, say it's summertime, and I have to walk through all the seasons because I don't know anything about apple trees, but if, say it's summertime and there's an apple tree right here and you're like, wow, it's an apple tree and there's no apples on the tree. 
you can, think, you can probably think, well, it's probably just out of season because I have no idea when apples grow. If you do know, it's fine. Don't shout it out. Say, I come back. It's not summer anymore. It's fall. I come back and come back to the same apple tree because I, I guess I don't bother Googling it when they're in season. But I say, wow, look at this apple tree. There's still no apples there. And I walk away and I come back in the winter and there's still no apples there. And I come back in spring and there's still no apples on this apple tree. What would y'all say about that tree? That tree is dead, right? That tree is dead. There's no evidence of life from that tree. It's an apple tree not producing apples. It may have the appearance of being alive. It may be in the ground. It may not be knocked over. But there's no fruit from the apple tree. Students, and my question is, is there fruit in your life that is the evidence of God in you? A lot of us have heard this passage before. It's Galatians Chapter five, verse 22, and it says this. It says, oh, I'm in, I'm in Ephesians, I'm sorry. Galatians chapter five, verse 22. But the fruit, yes, apple, good. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And students, what I wanna be real, I wanna stop right here because here's what I don't want. I don't want anybody walking out of this room thinking, wow, I'm not always loving, I'm not always joyful, I'm not always patient, there's not always peace around me. Everybody look at me. Here's the deal. It's, we're not striving for perfection. We're Christians, we surrender to Christ because we know we're not perfect. You're not going to be perfect, but what you should see is a life transformation take place in you where this fruit of love, where it never was before, you should see it now of joy when, you're, when, you're, when there's no joy present in your life and Christ comes into your life, you should see joy, you should see patience, you should see self-control. Will you have moments where you're not joyful? Of course, man, of course you will. We're not saying that you need perfection, but there needs to be an evidence. There needs to be a fruit of the spirit. There needs to be evidence of God in your life. Just like we see life in that apple tree, we see the evidence in the apples, right? We see the evidence of Christ in our life of a new life through the fruit of the spirit in each of us. Let's keep reading in James chapter two, verse 20. And I'm gonna speed uh, through this a little bit uh, just because uh, we're running out of time. But uh, James chapter two, we're gonna keep reading in verse 20. It says this, do you wanna be shown, you foolish person? Like I said, James is sassy. He's like, do you wanna be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? We talked about Abraham, if you were in Bible study this week, and we talked about Abraham a little bit in this promise that was made to him. He, Abraham was promised he would be made a great nation. And it was a really long process. And finally, finally, Abraham was given a son at like a really old age. Like it was, should have been impossible biologically. He was given a son and what God said to Abraham, he says, Abraham, go up to the mountain and sacrifice your son. It's this wild narrative, it's crazy. And God says, go sacrifice your son. Abraham brings him up there. He binds him down to this altar and God all of a sudden says, stop. And, but Abraham was so serious, look at me. Abraham was so serious about following God that he didn't put all of his trust in this promise, not in the promise of him being a great nation, because you obviously need a bloodline for that, right? Obviously. He, that wasn't his trust. His trust wasn't the promises. His trust was in the person who made the promise. 
right? His trust was in the person, in God, who made the promise. And that was made evident, not because Abraham stepped back and be like, God, I believe you. I believe you, God. Yes. There's nothing that you can't do. Come on. Yes. There's nothing you can't do, God. That's a great thing to say. But Abraham, my man got in the wheelbarrow that day, right? He got in the wheelbarrow that day going up the mountain and he gave it all to him. He said, God, I, I surrender every thought that I have, every right that I think I have, I surrender it all to you. And this is my son who I love so much and I still surrender him to you. And God stopped it because God is good and God is faithful, right? And we see this, verse 25, and in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. This is another passage from the Old Testament where Rahab is in Jericho and there's these spies, these Israelite spies, and they were about to be destroyed. And Rahab has heard about the Hebrews. She heard about the God of the Hebrews and she has this faith in the God of the Hebrews. And she's like, I wanna follow him. And she goes against her people, Jericho. And we see Rahab through her faith, through saving these people, we see her faith and we see Rahab in the genealogy of Jesus. We see Rahab be redeemed, we see her um, just be talked about even in the book of James, being applauded for her faith that was made evident by her works. So the question that remains, uh, and I'm gonna be done. I hope you understood that real faith, if you, didn't, if you forgot anything, if you heard all of this and you're like, I don't know what to take away from this. What to take away from this is real faith has evidence in your life. If you can look at your life and you're like, my life does not look like I follow Christ. I'm not telling you you're not a believer. Only you know that, understand me? Only you know the work you've done with Christ, right? Do not doubt that if you don't need to. But if you look around and you're like, I don't know, what we see here is that your faith could be dead. It could not be real faith. If you have no evidence of God in your life, don't be fooled anymore, students. What I want, my goal is for each of you to walk out that room with the assurance of salvation in your life, that you are saved, that you have faith, that you have wheelbarrow faith. Not faith that is dead, but faith that has evidence flowing out of your life and is affecting your schools and it's affecting your students at your lunch table and it's affecting the students in your classrooms. That's the heart. Not that you would have this unnecessary doubt, but what I do want is if you are, if you came into this room like, I was born a Christian, and you don't understand faith fully, my goal is that you would understand faith tonight. And not only that, but you would put your faith fully in Christ tonight. Because you do have that opportunity. And what I want you to know is you might think, David, you might get embarrassed. You might think, I've had everybody fooled my whole life. Students, I want you to know, it's not about us in this room. What I, my desire is for you to do business with God tonight. Nobody in here cares. Nobody's gonna be looking at you wrong, nobody's gonna be embarrassed for you or make fun of you for any reason for you getting right with God tonight. We're gonna be pumped for you. So I want you to know, I want you to get your faith right. I want you to get in the wheelbarrow. My friend, uh, Mr., what was his name? Blondin, Charles Blondin, he had a friend named Harry Colkard. He went back to Niagara Falls one day because I guess one wasn't enough for him, I don't know. He went back to Niagara Falls one day and he brought his buddy Harry with him. And Harry, you can show the picture. Harry got on his shoulders and they walked across and they walked across uh, Niagara Falls that day. And before they went, before they went, Charles looked at Harry. He said, now you're gonna be on my shoulders. 
He says, and when it's, we're gonna be out there and it's gonna get rough. It's gonna get rough. And here's what I need you not to do. Do not try to fix anything. When you try to take control, it could be catastrophic. But what you need to do is you need to trust me and you need to let me, this is what Charles is telling him, you need to let me guide our course. And students, some of you have tried for so long to be on God's shoulders. You, you wanna be all in for God, you want to, and you get out there and it gets, it gets challenging and you try to correct yourself and get off course. You try to be like, God, what do I need to do? I need to go to church more. Okay, I'm gonna go to church more. That's not faith, right? I mean, I need to look at my family. My family's following Christ, so maybe I'll just get in based off that. That's not faith. That is not faith. What is faith is what we talked about in the very beginning, is this complete surrender. In the same way that his buddy had to let go and when they fell, did it get hard? Absolutely, I'm sure it did. But man, was he in capable hands? He was in the hands of a pro and students. If you put your hands, if you put your life in the hands of Christ, he's in the most, your life is in the most capable hands.